Hi there, this is a gentle friendly voice warning you that the following episode is not for the easily offended. It will contain strong language, conversations about rape, bodily mutilation, and more. This week's episode will not be an easy listen. And without further stalling, here is this week's episode. Hello, greetings and salutations. Welcome to the show that looks back at albums, movies, and video games to ask anyone for seconds. I am your host, Dave. How are we doing? Good. This week, we look at the animated master... Wait, no. That surely can't be right. I thought I was covering the Emoji movie this week. Wait, I, I don't own that. Well, I guess it's time to break the emergency glass and take a look at the most disgusting film to date on the podcast. It's Tom Six's The Human Centipede Part 2 full sequence. I'm so sorry. My name is Tom Six. I'm a filmmaker. You might know me as the creator of The Human Centipede. Some people have said that that's the sickest movie of all time. But it's 100% medically accurate. I even get death threats on on Facebook about it. The sickest bastard is Dr. Heiter, they're saying. But too many people just think it's like My Little Pony. So now, prepare for part two, which really will be the sickest movie of all time. And we've scoured the world for the worst, evilest, baddest asses of all. We've been through prisons, through institutes for the criminally insane, gambling dens in Macau, and we've found the sickest bastard of them all. Martin. Explain yourself, Dave. Why are you subjecting yourself to this? Well... As I'll explain later, this film garnered a lot of attention worldwide. It hit headlines in countries all across the world, and it was my first real foray into what could be considered by some extreme cinema, but most notably, exploitation. It's also notable that this was one of the first films I ever imported from abroad, and the nervousness I felt as I hoped it would get through customs was something to be beheld. Shall we just head into the context dump right now and make some sense of this horrible shit-covered nightmare? Come with me, my dear listener, and I will guide you. Make sure you bring a snorkel. You know, because it's going to be all covered in shit. Moving on. The original Human Centipede was unleashed onto the world in 2009. The film made headlines describing how gross and sadistic it was. So naturally, writer and director Tom Six set to work on preparing to make a sequel. Considering how much he had shocked the world with his original film and seemed to have come out of nowhere, it's worth noting that before the original Human Centipede film, 
He had previously worked on the Dutch version of reality TV series Big Brother and a few smaller independent films. While writing the second film, Six was quoted as saying that the second film would make the first film look like My Little Pony. A bold statement indeed. Filming took place in London in June 2010 with a predominantly British cast, with Six being quoted as saying there's a 12-person centipede in our future and that it will try to outdo the first one in the fucked-up department. How true was this, though? We would have our answer courtesy of the BBFC, the British Board of Classification, refusing to give the film an age rating for a direct-to-video release in June 2011. This meant that effectively, without any cuts to the film, the film could not legally be sold within the UK. The BBFC put out a statement saying that, in essence, the film had unacceptable material and that the film, even with cuts to the content, could not improve the BBFC standing on the film. While the first film was given an 18 certificate with the justification that, I quote from the BBFC website, the concept of the film was undoubtedly tasteless and disgusting. It was a relatively traditional and conventional horror film and the board concluded that it was not in breach of our guidelines at 18. The second film was deemed unacceptable due to, once again I'm quoting from the BBFC website, the serial arousal of the central character are both the idea and the spectacle of the total degradation, humiliation, mutilation, torture and murder of his naked victims. What then followed in the statement was a spoiler-filled descriptions of the film's more egregious scenes, such as, I'm, I'm really sorry everybody, the rape of the woman at the end of the centipede with the barbed wire, the masturbation with sandpaper, and also, obviously, the scenes of forced coracophagia. I'm, I'm so sorry. I really do mean it. If Honestly, if I had the Emoji movie, I would have covered that this week, but there we go. Anyway, this was met with criticism from Six himself, and the film's distributor within the UK launched an appeal. In October 2011, the film was granted an 18 rating after 32 compulsory cuts were made to the film, totaling 2 minutes and 37 seconds being removed from the final product. Interestingly, the uncut film was originally granted an R18 plus classification by the Australian Classification Board in May 2011. However, this was later overruled after Minister for Justice Brendan O'Connor asked for a review on the rating, to which the film was then refused classification in November 2011, presumably due to the controversy the film had caused within the UK. In December 2011, the film was then given an R18 plus classification following 30 seconds of cuts and alterations. Due to the reaction of the Australian Classification Board, the film wasn't submitted for classification in New Zealand. Further still, the DVD version was banned outright in April 2012 by the New Zealand Office of Film and Literature. The film officially premiered in the States in September 2011 at Fantastic Fest in Texas. The audience were given complimentary bath bags upon entry to the screening, and an ambulance was stationed outside of the theatre as a gimmick, imitating the initial screenings of The Exorcist from the 80s. However, one audience member actually ended up needing medical attention due to becoming physically sick. Good job that some paramedics were actually there and the gimmick paid off. Hello, it's Dave your very friendly podcast editor. Now, I don't normally interrupt halfway through the context dump, but this time I'm afraid I need to. I said The Exorcist was screened in the 80s. Bad Dave. No. 
Turns out the Exorcist was actually screened in the 1970s. Oy vey. What an idiot I truly am. How are you finding the episode anyway? You okay? Are we holding up okay? I just want to check in with everybody. If you've got this far, then well done. I congratulate you. But from here on in, it's going to get decidedly worse. When we go into the commentary, you are going to hear things in the background of the viewing. Screaming and disgusting noises. If you're not into that, I recommend skipping ahead to the summation. Seriously, I, I can't stress this enough. This is a frankly dark and horrible episode. And I'm, again, I'm not even sure why I'm putting it out. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I'm going to kind of leave you to it. And I'm going to go back to the context dump now. Thanks a lot. The Human Centipede Part 2 it didn't do too bad business-wise. By the end of its theatrical run, the film had made around $142,000, roughly half of what the original film made, but has since gone on to become a bit of a cult favourite on home media. The Human Centipede 2 currently sits at a rating of 29% on movie reviews website Rotten Tomatoes. Kim Newman of Empire Magazine gave the film a rating of 3 out of 5, stating, The shocks will be familiar to anyone who enjoyed the first film. Joshua Rothkopf? from Time Out, gave the film a 1 out of 5, stating, Six manages to find the one element that have made his idea even more noxious, a strong whiff of pretension. Ooh, how clever. Roger Ebert, yes, that Roger Ebert, of the Chicago Sun-Times, didn't actually rate the film at all. He gave it a 0 out of 4, stating, The film is reprehensible, dismaying, ugly, artless, and an affront to any notion, however remote, of human decency. Finally, we have Matt Glazeby from Total Film, who gave the film a 2 out of 5, stating, Despite its self-awareness and the central performance, this is still a grubby hack job about a grubby whack job whacking off grubbly. Good lord, that was difficult to say. Well... I guess I need to give you a synopsis now. Well, thanks to IMDb, I can do just that. Inspired by the fictional Dr. Heiter, disturbed loner Martin dreams of creating a 12-person centipede and sets out to realise his sick fantasy. Well, okay then. Let's do this bloody thing. Shall we ask anyone for seconds? I'm not sure I want to, but here we are. Let's join the rewatch now. Okay, so I'm not quite sure I'm entirely ready for this. It has been a fair few years since I've seen this. So the version I'm watching right now is the fully uncut director's cut that's unrated. It's the American version that you can get. I've seen this once and yeah. Um... There's not a lot else I can say, really. I haven't had a compulsion to watch it again. So I remember hearing about the very first film, how much it's been satirised and things like that. And I watched that when it was in the dark, heady days of... When we had Virgin Media at home and it was on... The sci-fi channel so I watched that and then obviously this one came out and 
yeah, I obviously had to import the um, the lovely unrated edition because, of course, I did. So we're gonna see how we fare with this today. So already I'm kind of a little bit unnerved. I completely forgot that this film is entirely in black and white. I did toy with the idea of watching the all color version that came out about two years ago, I wanna say, but I thought better of it because we should probably watch the version that was released originally. What I do like about this is kind of the fact that it's uh, commenting on... It's got a very, very not-so-subtle socio-political commentary about the fact that people were so outraged about the things they thought they saw in the first film how people can kind of go over the top to extremes with with fans being a fan of certain things and, and such like so i always like that and, and the black and white as well was always it was it was unnerving let's just say it, it always felt a little bit unnerving another thing as well i've got to say lawrence harvey who ends up playing Martin in this film, he does an amazingly creepy job of just... Although he doesn't really say... Well, he doesn't... I don't think he even has a single line in this film. I think he just sort of grunts and groans for the majority of it and coughs. He does a fantastic job of conveying everything so so well i gotta say with the black and white and mostly kind of the audio and sort of the soundtrack being a very i don't want to say drone it's kind of yeah it is a drone it kind of ambient sort of sounds i gotta admit there is a really uncomfortable feeling in my stomach right now which is exactly the same thing I had the very first time I watched it. Even though I kind of already knew what was going to happen, because thanks to the BBFC, as I've probably already said in the context dump, um, the BBFC obviously spoiled it when they originally banned the film. Um, so, yeah. That's the thing for a film like this. You've got to get the diegetic and non-diegetic sound just right in this because you're trying to play across the creepiness and the uh, perverse nature of Martin to an effect. The fact that he doesn't say anything and obviously a lot of it is all to do with, you know, conveying this dark, dirty world that Martin's kind of fantasizing about you might say you've got to get it spot on it looks like we have been joined in this 
somewhat problematic viewing session today by the podcast cat. How how are you today, podcast cat? Are you okay? Are you coming to keep me keep me company during this uh, weird and wonderful view? Hmm. How are you? You alright, fella? Yeah, yeah. He's. He seems to be not interested. He seems to be more interested in the daddy long legs that's uh, currently perusing the ceiling in a anyone for seconds HQ. Mm-hmm. I mean that's fair, but but again, I feel like I could do with his moral support on this one. So, do you, seriously, mate, do you have anything to say for yourself? Anything? Anything to say, pussy cat? Not a damn thing. Again, that's fair. So while Martin's watching this clip right here of the the very original human centipede, shall we talk about the very original human centipede? What do we think of it? As a horror film? It's pretty, I mean, personally, I I quite liked it. So the first one, again, was kind of billed as 100% medically accurate. Tom Six, the director, went off and actually spoke to medical professionals about how such a thing, the human centipede, that is, would actually, could potentially be possible medically. And that's kind of cool in itself. So theatre laser playing the the good doctor there does a fantastic job of being so sorry the the late theater laser i should say does a fantastic job of being incredibly menacing and you know being playing the mad scientist doctor who is completely obsessed with this you know, this idea of a human centipede. And even the three actors whose names escaped me, except for Ashlyn Yennefer, I think her name was, because she appears in in this film. Do fantastic jobs for such a... pretty much a literally physically demanding role, having to be you know, crawling on on all fours for the majority of the runtime, and as well trying to get you know, you know, having to be so close to somebody else's anus and things like that as well, in an, in an uncomfortable position, it's quite grueling for an actor. Let alone, you know, they do an extremely good job of that. I really, you know. They do a really good powerhouse performance. It's a bit like the performance in this from, you know, our man Martin here, Lawrence Harvey, you know. He doesn't say a lot, but what he says is kind of in his body language and his manner. You can even see it in his eyes sometimes. It's it's so... it's, It's just an incredibly moving kind of, you know... Performance not moving to the say that it's going to bring you to tears, it, but you know it's still a great performance nonetheless. 
the black and white is a hell of a choice again i know it was picked because obviously it, it kind of helps sell the grimy dark nature of martin's world but it also kind of increases the feeling of the violence so this moment here i've just watched martin has effectively just bludgeoned his mother to death with a crowbar and he's now sitting up at the table I don't mean to laugh but it's kind of ridiculous anyway he sits her up at the table very psycho-esque Norman Bates um, and seeing all the blood kind of covering his face and it's just in black and white it really sells it the gore effect as well on on Martin's mum is just wow it's really really cool actually and again the black and white again helping to sell it kind of the realism so it's really at this point when he kills his mum really just shit hits the fan so to speak pun may or may not been intended then we've got to talk about the special effects in this as well that the for 100% medically inaccurate, you, you're definitely getting that. So again, with Martin's mum kind of been sat up with her head completely bludgeoned, it is suitably pretty fucking gory. And as well as memory serves, the effects on the actual centipede itself with the pus, it's pretty cool looking as well. And the, um, the, the, the actual shit looks like shit i guess just pretty gross right there i've got to apologize if i'm around about 45 minutes in and there's probably not been a lot of commentary so far because i honestly i've found myself drawn into this film for as gross and as, as ridiculous as it is, I kind of get myself sucked into the film, which I never thought would happen again on a, on a subsequent rewatch. It's a real, it's certainly a thing. <laughs> So this is probably the part of the commentary in the podcast that's going to become probably somewhat unlistable right now if you've made it this far. So this is just your very final warning to skip away because it's, as I've said from here, things are going to get very dark and very grim and gritty as if, that you know, they hadn't already it's probably going to be mostly me viscerally reacting to this this horrific absolutely horrific film the sound in this film is so so good the sound mixing is just right to really get across all of the dread and the suspense of the impending torture and you know so good with with a lesser mix 
you know, and a more obvious kind of just everything loud all the time. Real subtle nuances like this where everything's gone down, you get the ambient drone while Martin pulls out all of his, his tools of the trade, so to speak. Carcass reference. Um, showing it all off to his, his now, his, you know, his dream gonna come true. He's gonna make his own centipede. Any other film could have really messed up this sequence with, you know, just everybody just constantly screaming with a really bombastic score. But the fact that Tom Six has decided to just absolutely play down all the diegetic sound within the scene and just play up the ambient drone is just, a, it's spectacular. It really, really works in this film. You're going to commend it for that. It's perfect in that in that aspect. It's not a perfect film. Don't get me wrong. But you know, it's the sound at least is just so good. There's not many things that adversely affect me in film. The knocking teeth out. Oh. God, it's definitely one. Oh, it's definitely one of the holy crap. Oh, I, oh my God, that's just grim. Oh, the gargling. Oh, God, that's a nice little touch. So the pregnant woman has supposedly died. Um, and Martin's kind of dragged her away and uh, covered her up. Which is... It brings a little bit of humanity to, this, to, to his character. Which is kind of hard to say. But, you know. It's, it's a nice... It's a nice little touch. So what we have here now is Martin about to cut the tendons... In Ashley Yinny's knees to stop her from getting up and walking off and god it makes me feel so very uncomfortable oh my god oh she's just so oh this black and white just so dirty oh God, it's just rooting around with your hand in the knee to pull out the... Oh, oh my word. Oh, Jesus. Oh, fucking hell. Oh fucking hell! It's just so messy. Just cutting the flaps on on the arse to. Oh my god! Mm. So, you know, I think this film is probably where I've um, lost my distrust of um, staplers. 
because he staples people's faces ass to mouth and oh for god's sake ah uh, it's probably psychological but it's, it's definitely left an impact on me god damn it I am slightly impressed that Martin had a backup plan though just in case the um the flaps didn't work You know what? What's really got to be appreciated is the fact that Ashley Yenny, star from the first film, had come back again for the second one to play such a demanding role yet again. For the majority of her screen time, again in this, in another human centipede film, with her having, you know, being attached. Well, in this one, someone being attached to her ass naked, crawling around on the floor on all fours. The fact that, as well, she gets treated a lot more rougher, shall we say. Especially now because it looks like that Martin is about to force-feed her via tube. Because, of course... I feel incredibly grubby and dirty watching this. Well done, Mr. Tom Six, I gotta say. You did a good, you done gone, done a good job making me feel dirty and icky. Well done. Oh! Oh! Shit everywhere. Literal shit everywhere. Oh my god, literal shit. Ev oh god, it's up the camera. To oh. So I should probably fill you in on what's going on right now. Oh god, it's up the wall. It's everywhere. There's just shit everywhere. Oh my god. It's just shit everyone, male team. What did you expect from giving them all laxative? Ah. Okay. It's just suddenly dawned on me what's going to happen right now. This is an unnecessary kind of step right here. And now the pregnant woman has actually got up. She has managed to escape. She's outside. She's climbed in the car. Start the car. Come on, start the car. You can do this. Come on. So while she was running across the warehouse, she looked like she uh, water broke. Oh my God, it's a baby coming out. Oh my god. She gave birth to the baby. No, no, no. Oh, poor baby. No. Squash beneath the, the accelerator pedal. Oh. God. Just when you think it couldn't get worse. Oh. 
Oh, God, I feel a little bit sick. The ripping away from the anus. I, I honestly feel a little bit sick right now. Good Lord. So here's the thing, right? I don't know if the ending is a cop-out. Because you... After you cut back to... Well, after, basically, Martin gets the thing shoved up his ass, you cut back to Martin in the car park at the start of the film, where it was kind of all in his head all along, fantasising about it. I... I can't really tell if that's a cop-out or not. I mean, it kind of fits, I guess, given the whole, you know, the whole thing. Just makes you think. Which is definitely a thing I didn't think that a film about uh, people being stitched ass to mouth would do. Let's cut across back now to Dave and uh, get his final reaction, I guess. Well, where do I begin? Let's start with the fact that I enjoyed it. Well, enjoy, it's a strong statement. Let's say that I appreciated what the film was going for. For a film that, on a meta level... He's trying to make a commentary about potential copycat cases based on part in the first film. It surprisingly does the job well. It amplifies the violence and, yes, fecal matter tenfold. It's almost as if Tom Six is basically sticking his two fingers up at his critics and doing his own thing, which is to be applauded. The absolutely magnificent performance by Lawrence Harvey as Martin Lomax is absolutely mesmerising. Although he doesn't have any lines aside from grunting, coughing and vocal noises, he conveys Martin's every emotion. His fragile mental state when his mother destroys his precious scrapbook, to even his pure elation at the... Oh my god. Shit. Literally hitting the wall. It's a great performance that doesn't get spoken about enough, because honestly, it's fantastic. And yet, it's criminally underseen. Even Ashlyn Yenny once again returns to the fold, playing a fictionalised version of herself, puts in a great performance, paying homage to a film that put her in the limelight. The black and white really lends itself to the gritty, dirty aesthetic of Martin's world, with the deep blacks and greys really emphasising the grunge of the warehouse in which the majority of the film takes place, but also enhancing the ultra-violence of the film. It makes you feel unclean watching these as the terrible events unfold before you. It all adds to the very similitude of the film, and honestly... I'm not sure if colour would add anything, or maybe even detract from the experience, but that's just conjecture on my part, having never seen the coloured version. The sound mix as well is absolutely bloody fantastic. While other films would choose a more bombastic score to try and amplify the horrific drama on screen, the low hum of a droning score in The Human Centipede Part 2 adds to the imminent dread and atmosphere. The horror seems more personal and painful with it as a result. The Foley artistry as well, Absolutely spot on. Bodily mutilation sounds, well, painful. And the subtle blend of the diegetic and non-diegetic sound work in tandem to really immerse you in Martin's story. Well, it did for me anyway. 
the effects are suitably outlandish and gory, while never seeming too over the top to the point of ridiculousness. The black and white helps to sell it particularly well here, so bonus points for that. There are some detractors though. Oh, believe me, I didn't like the unnecessary rape with the barbed wire. I understand that yes, Martin probably would become sexually aroused at the prospect of creating his own human centipede due to his infatuation of the first film, but barbed wire wrapped around his dick, I don't... I don't get why. I know he's sexually abused as a child, and surely that can't explain it. It just seems like it's nasty for the sake of being nasty, which is effectively what the entirety of the film is, unfortunately. It's ultimately an exercise in torture, sadism, and cruelty. The meta level of this film, which does work on some levels, is largely forgotten about, and the viewer is left to experience these horrific acts as a voyeur who just can't look away. While the first film tried to emphasise the plight of the three unfortunate victims of the Mad Doctor, this film just seems to be an exercise in depravity. It's extremely competently made exercise in depravity, mind you. If you must have more ass-to-mouth fecal experimentation on film, I would be cautious about this. While a lot of the first film's depravity isn't seen and is more implied, this film actively shoves it in your face. It's not for the faint of heart and only really for lovers of more extreme cinema. While it's not as depraved as something like a Serbian film, which came out the previous year in 2010, there's enough here for fans of the Screamers to get into. Just make sure it's the unrated version though, as the UK version is heavily censored by the BBFC and is the case in countries all over the world. I'm so sorry everybody. I'm really sorry I've, I've done this episode, okay? But do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you just want to verbally abuse me because I made you listen to this? Get in contact with us. We're on Twitter as at anyone podcast. We're also on Facebook. Just search for us. You're going to find us. Longer rants and considerations can be sent via email to anyoneforsecond at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, rate and review this podcast on your podcast platform of choice as it helps us grow the podcast. I would understand if you didn't for this episode, because again, I am really, really sorry. This time, this time, I am going to leave you with something happy. I don't know what, but I feel like you all deserve something happy after listening to this absolute shit show. Thanks again. Stay safe. You got this. (laughs) 